welcome to the Dark Depth Podcast, your go-to place for the modern and legacy format. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I'm here with the Void Walker himself, Michael Mapson. How are you? I'm exhausted, which is, I feel like, something we say way too much. I know. Yeah, we do. How are you? I'm also exhausted. Uh, we'll, we'll start with you. Why are you exhausted? I just didn't really get much sleep last night. Mm. Um, I got home from Modern or and like, you know, got ready and gotten in bed around midnight, okay. which actually should give me enough sleep. Yeah. But I couldn't fall asleep for however long. And then I was up by like, I woke up naturally at like 5 25 mm. okay so just uh just not a lot of sleep i just want my six hours of beauty sleep and i, I was struggling are, are you playing a uh, weekly you said uh yeah okay i uh, uh played some food okay it was good times uh what what flavor of food were you playing uh i played green black Okay. But we we can talk more about that later. Okay. So we'll, we'll talk about that later then. But it's cool that you got to play weekly though. I mean, that's like one of the best things I think about, you know, coming into this phase, I guess, of a pandemic myth, right? Dude, I did not realize how much I missed. It's just a good like time to like reconnect with people. Like that's that's the time like normally during the week you get to like chat with people in real life. I feel like, but you don't have to like worry about working or like you know prepping for dinner. You just have to play magic for a little bit. Yeah, it was, it was pretty great. I will say uh, waiting around for rounds to end was like abysmal, especially after you're playing Moto where it's like, okay, my round's done, start my next round. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that part was awful. But overall, good experience. It was really annoying too because most of my rounds finished in like 20 minutes. Uh, but mm-hmm. then obviously round four, when you want to go home, I, um, I went to time. Of course. Yeah, if you're going to have any round, you have to be there the whole time, but if you're going to have any round that goes to time, it's always the last one. Yeah. It's frustrating. Uh, what about you? Why are you tired? Uh, the baby and um, the wife have not been feeling particularly great the past couple days. Um, so just a lot of sleeping and napping and whatnot. Uh, we ended up like stopping by the emergency room for uh, Raleigh just because she was like, not not keeping things down and like end up getting like dehydrated and then after like a full day we're like we should probably just go to the hospital and see if they can speed their recovery along you know again eventually you feel like she's gonna be fine like you know people normally come out of of illnesses but it especially when they can't communicate exactly what's wrong with them it's like yeah i'd rather just like have a medical professional just (laughs) intervene here slightly so yeah I'm guessing she was okay because I haven't heard anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, she's been good. Um, the past day has been significantly better. So just trying to catch up on sleep at this point and, you know, kind of like blew up her nap time yesterday too, which also makes it a little bit more difficult. So very tired. Um, but also I bought a uh, collection. I don't know if I had mentioned that um, to you in the group chat or anything like that, but... I bought a collection from a local. So their their basic instruction was if you, like I was gonna, they basically said, I'm gonna sell this to Card Kingdom. I'd rather sell it to someone local that way. Um, I know the cards are at least gonna be played by people uh, in the community. It's like, okay, that's that's legit. So 
Uh, I fit the path uh, four days, uh, trying to organize everything, get prices ready, and I should be having some some pictures to post on the local groups relatively soon, which is yeah pretty cool, I think. Or I would have never sold to you. Like, I don't trust you. Oh, thank you. That's, that's good to hear. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, I've got some cool stuff. I got, a, I got a Sylvan Library. I think you needed one of those, right? I do need one of those. So, I got that. Um, I have a couple of, you know, gl- Glimpse of Natures and, like, Green Sun Zenith. I think they, they played, like, a variety of decks. If I had to guess, I'd say they played Elves... Uh, Blue Red Delver, probably Grixis Delver. Actually, the, the collection is definitely a little bit older. Like, there's a number of like death rate. Like, I think it's like nine death rate shamans in the collection, and like twelve brainstorms. But they're like of like assorted sets and things like that. So, yeah, it's a pretty good collection. You definitely tell they were a player, and like especially since they were excited to you know sell to me to keep it local. I, I definitely want to try to respect it as much as possible. So. Got some decent now I kind of want to know whose collection it was. Uh, I don't know if you know them. I don't want to like put their blast their name out there either. Uh, maybe maybe I'll tell you off the off the podcast. But <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, I'm pretty excited. So yeah, I should be able to start posting some stuff either tonight or tomorrow, depending on how long we end up recording for tonight. All right. Well, that I think is a good segue into actually talking about our topic for this week. Last week we spent most of the time, at least, a little bit um, elsewhere, but most of the time talking about the indisputable legacy tier list, right? What were the best decks in legacy? What do the decks look like? What do we think about them? Is this list good? Well, I said last week that I didn't think that Modern had enough information yet, that people weren't kind of in the... People hadn't played the format enough to figure out what actually was the best deck and what was doing doing the best in our small or in our events i think we have enough information now i think looking at the events from this past weekend we have enough information to kind of say i think these are the best decks in the format i think these are right underneath and i think these are lagging behind um so total here we've got 11 lists um i definitely want to talk about what the ones i've got in tier one i want to talk about the ones that we've gotten tier 1.5 Probably going to skip over the ones in Tier 2, but we can at least have a, a brief conversation about them. The deck, I think, that is very clearly the best deck in the format right now, um, you know, one of the best decks in the format right now, at least, is the Blue-Red Murktide deck. Um, this looks this comes up in many different forms, but the main consistent thing um, that you see are the Creature Suite, right? You normally see the um, Dragon Dragon's Channelers, you see the Ragavan, Nimble, Pilferers, and you see the Murktide regions. Um, this list actually, and I, I can't remember his name. I know we had met him in, at uh, Magic Fest Niagara, but I cannot remember his name. Um, but he, on um, MCGO, goes by MZ Blazer. Y- young kid. I, I know you know you know you've met him numerous times. Milan. Milan. Thank you. Um, but Milan, this is Milan's list here, and he has this like nice innovation with. Dreadhorde Arcanist, which I we had joked about actually in um, Legacy, saying you know if Dreadhorde Arcanist was still legal, that'd be really good with Murktide Regent, you know, to um, boost it up throughout the game. Um, he he just went for it, so he he's playing that in Modern now. Um, but I mean, like the 
Um, only other difference really with this deck list that I'm seeing, um, besides the Drift Arcanist, which I think is actually really sweet, um, a couple copies of Slate of Hand also to keep the cards kind of flowing. Um, everything else looks pretty, pretty on, pretty par for the course, I think. Um, what, what do you think about blue red, um, the blue red Murktide decks? Okay, so a couple of my, couple of things. First, my favorite thing about these lists is the fact people got so excited that Blue Red Delver was finally a playable modern deck again. And then it just seems like all the people who are doing the best cut the Delvers. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really funny, but mm -hmm. also kind of sad because you know, I like Delver too. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think, I think these decks are pretty good. I mean, I guess that's kind of obvious. Like we have them in tier one. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't gotten the chance to play with them yet, but every time I play against them, they look impressive. And, you know, the results kind of speak for themselves. And, like, uh, in this event, Milan, like, just crushed the competition. I think he went undefeated through the Swiss. If, or, no, 8-1 through the Swiss. Yeah. Or 9-1, I mean, I think. I think it was a 10-round event. Yeah, I think uh, it was 10 rounds, too. He might have gone undefeated. Uh, whatever. But he <laughs> breezed through the Swiss, and then won the top eight and he uh lost every die roll along the way yeah so i mean this deck is yeah. this deck is doing a lot of things that you want to do right like it has eight really solid turn one place eight between the channeler and the ragavan um it has eight points of removal um in lightning bolt and unholy heat that obviously i think unholy heat people have finally gotten the message that card really does scale up very, very well, especially in a deck that gets Delirium so efficiently. Uh, being able to pay one mana to deal six damage is kind of gross. The Counterspell, I think, does a good job of kind of shutting the door later later in the game. Murktide Regent very easily is an 8-8 eight, eight in this deck and um, kind of gets out of control uh, You know, against opposing Unholy Heats, actually, right? Because that only deals six damage. And I think we're going to kind of see this with some more cards down the uh, decks down the list, but I think when you're talking about a, an eight eight creature, like that's just too big. Like there's obviously Primeval Titan, which we'll you know talk about it later as well, right? Is a six six dying to unholy heat, but really once you get past that, like you might see some um, Urza Saga tokens or something like that. Um, you might see a creature that's equipped with a Colossus Hammer. Mercator um, Regent really the only card that you're casting that is outside of Unholy Heat range, which I think is really important in this format right now. I really feel like this deck has a lot of the same strengths that like the Blue Red Prowess deck had, mm -hmm. but just has way better staying power. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not as it's not as explosive though, right? Like, I think there is a a benefit to having things like Metamorphose in your deck, but that really isn't doing anything as much as it is you know it's essentially an extra extra shock or something like that nine times out of ten so i think that's i, I think the staying power is probably what makes it i think a little bit better than the those prowess decks right now at least in my mind yeah no i agree all right um so the other deck i think that in our tier one here along with blue red murktide <clears throat> i think it's amulet and this is i know this deck has seen a lot of 
play recently. It didn't do particularly great this last weekend. I just want to kind of put that as a, as a footnote. But I, I still think this is probably one of the best decks um, that you could be playing right now uh, in this format. Um, could you... I think I think me talking about Amulet Titan is probably a waste of everyone's time. So could you, could you talk about Titan a little bit uh, and kind of what what's the changes we've seen with this deck? Okay, so, I mean, obviously I'm super biased. So, <laughs> yes, I think the deck is really good. We... You know, we kind of talked about this before. It's kind of split into two camps. Uh, Canister has been playing a Through the Breach build, uh, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I think he's continued to do well with it, so we should probably talk about it at least a little bit. Mm. Um, But then there's also the more traditional build, which is the version I like more. Uh, And so, you know, we talked about it. It's got the recent upgrade of Abundant Harvest, but Abundant Harvest is actually just like really insanely good in the stack i um i'll be honest i was not a believer super early i looked at the list i was like these look bad and then i played them i was like man that was smooth (laughs) (laughs) but between abundant harvest and urza saga it's just so easy to put a primeval titan into play on turn three and speaking for the rest of the format it's really hard to deal with the primeval titan on turn three Mm -hmm. um but just Having having Urza Saga means you basically always have access to an amulet on turn three if you want it, or turn four. Uh, Abundant Harvest really ups your consistency, so you have such an easy time finding what you need. And just, you know, it's past that, it's more or less the same deck it's always been. Uh, people can't deal with the Titan, and especially we have the grind plan again, because whereas before we had Field of the Dead, we don't have that, obviously. But just getting Urza Sagas is insane. Yeah, like, you do have four of them um, here, so you, you definitely get your, your money's worth on that card, which I think is really cool. With this, uh, much of this is a common thing, but this version, um, we're looking at a list uh, from Camster from a couple weeks ago, um, playing the four Abundant Harvests. Um, they cut a lot of, like, the one-mana creatures, uh, one-mana creatures that we see that, Normally, the deck uses to accelerate. Like it could be a boil of yeah, grazer. Yeah, that's normal now. It's normal now. Is, is that just to like make the abundant harvest a little more more potent when you're good, looking for non lands? So there's a couple things. Um, Sakura Tribe Scout uh, is kind of weak in a format where there's so many Lava Darks and Lightning Bolts and Unholy Heats flying around. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit awkward because it does you know block Ragavan, so that part's nice. But it, it really just isn't performing and getting rid of it does make your abundant harvest better and then also they're kind of competing for the same slot on the curve and whereas before you really needed that acceleration since you have ursa saga you know that you're going to have access to amulet so your amulets kind of function as your acceleration so you don't really need them as badly as you did before and you're still playing uh copies of explore mm-hmm. i i love that we've reached a place where we're playing four explore and like only one acceleration creature like one one drop creature yeah uh, after like i feel like there used to be so many arguments on like what's the right number of explore do you even need explore like ugh, explore is just a crutch and i i was always like really big on explore and i was always higher on it than i think most people were so like it really makes me happy to see that this day has come and i'm not saying that like <laughs> i'm Honestly, not saying I was right the whole time or anything. Mm-hmm. I do think there were times when I was right not to play Explore. Um, 
but right now I think having Explore is just really good. Plus, Explore is especially good in these builds because you can, like, if you just play it on turn two, you can follow it up with, uh, like, the Abundant Harvest, like we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. And also, it works really well with Urza Saga, so. Oh, it's, yeah. it's just very good. Um, having access to the one Grazer, though, is still really nice as a pack target. Uh, because sometimes when you have two amulets, which is something that comes up way more than it used to, you can kind of use it as a ritual. Yeah, I guess you, the zero mana way to get an extra, you know, four mana or something like that on a, on a good turn. Take your one mana, turn it into two mana. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't even need two amulets for it to be an improvement. Yeah. But it, it really bridges you over the gap, because there's a lot of times... Um, where you would run out of land drops at five mana. Mm. So just being able to tutor for it is really nice. Mm. Also, I'm sorry if you can hear my dogs crying in the background. They're very sad, apparently. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Can you hear them? A little bit. Okay, I'm going to go track on him real quick. <laughs> okay. You do that, um, and then we'll start talking about... Black Red Lurith, which I think is like the next best deck right here. Like, if we're talking about this kind of pinnacle, like, in Blue Red Murktide and Amulet, I think do a good job of, I think with the Blue Red Murktide deck, you need to be able to have um, interaction along the curve, right? Because Blue Red Murktide does a good job of presenting threats that need to be answered, right? Like, Ragavan itself needs to be answered early, can run away with the game. Uh, Dragon's the Chan uh, Channeler really does improve the quality of your draws as you're casting your spell throughout the game. So as you get to turn uh, two or turn three, rather than drawing excess lands, you're just actually just you know scrying or surveilling rather into actual uh, castable spells, which also makes your Murktide Regent uh, better. Something like Latent Bolt and Unholy Heat are good answers for the small creatures, but not for the big creatures. Um, Amulet, I think, is in a similar position, too, where some of the removal spells that um, the red decks in particular are playing are really good against um, something early, right? Because if you're talking about a Boreal Grazer and Azusa, they're both weak to Lightning Bolt and Unholy Heat. But something like Dried Arbor, right, only dies to Unholy Heat. Um, right of the Legion Grove. Yeah, Dried of the Legion Grove only dies to Unholy Heat. Same thing with Primeval Titan. So... Um, I guess that's actually the same thing with Arboreal Grazer, too, if you're worried about, you know, removing that from the battlefield. Um, but that kind of makes the Unholy Heat very good, um, but the Lightning Bolt's kind of weak, which I think is actually really nice. The Black-Red deck, and I think the Black-Red Luris deck, I think is the best kind of way of talking about it. I think all the removal you have against them is actually really good, all the red removal. The Dragon Rage Channeler, when it has Delirium, obviously can't die to Unholy Heat. Um, but that's still tagging uh, Ragavan on um, Dothy, Voidwalker. Uh, Croxa is a 6-6, six, six, so with Delirium, you can knock that out. Um, and same thing with Torak, which I think is really interesting. I, I didn't expect to like Torak as much as I, as I do, but that card's been really impressive to me. But being able to recur Croxa in this deck that is accruing card advantage bit by bit over the course of the game, I think this deck is actually really, really hard for opposing decks, especially these value a value-oriented deck like Blue-Red to kind of keep up with throughout the game. The one thing I was kind of surprised about, and this is maybe one of those things that it'll it'll get a little bit more prevalent as we go along, 
Um, I was expecting to see some more ways to deal with the Merktide region. Um, this is one of the things I'm kind of mentioning in the mirror. People are saying, well, how do I deal with opposing 8-8 flyers? Like, I don't have anything besides my own 8-8 flyer. That doesn't seem like a good way to deal with it. Um, I'm surprised that the Black Red deck hasn't adopted something like Terminate or Dreadbore or something like that to kind of help clear the path um, in the air, at least. I'm not sure if you have any, any thoughts on, on that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that make its way in eventually. <laughs> it's worth noting that, you know, the Black Red deck is something that was tuned more so, I think, in the leagues. Like, I... This is going to sound, I think, bad until I'm finished, uh, so bear with me. <laughs> okay. This deck is primarily tuned by Aspiring Spike, mm -hmm. uh, and he did most of the work in leagues. And I think most people who have played the deck since then have just more or less copied his 75. Sure. Now then, Spike is great player, great streamer, great deck builder. Um, I think he's actually probably going to go down like in MTG history as one of the better deck builders we've had, just mm -hmm. period. But... I don't necessarily know how much he's playing against the blue red decks. Uh, and like, that's not to say he's not aware of it. I'm just, like, he's got his finger on the pulse. He knows about it. Um, but it's very possible that like the deck could use more answers to it and just, you know, it hasn't been an issue yet. So he hasn't adapted for it yet. Um, but I could also see beating uh Merkted Regent just with like unholy heat plus like a Colgan's command or something, mm -hmm. uh, not being the end of the world. And also, Dwarfy Voidwalker itself kind of just beats Merktide Regent. Yeah, I think that card's really impressive. And like, I think I'm, I think I mentioned on the show a couple weeks ago. I literally keep forgetting that it just exiles everything. Like, <laughs> in my mind, it's really it's, annoying. It's really annoying, um, and it makes it harder and harder for people to deal with it. And you know, when you start looking at the format, um, playing something like Lurus of the Dream. Um, Dream Den, um, playing something like Dragon Rage Channeler, like Voidwalker gets really, really annoying um, to have to deal with. So, I think this is maybe that might be something too. Um, and that's a good point. Like maybe you don't need to worry about it being an eight-eight, right? If your Voidwalker is eating a lot of the instant and sorceries, and suddenly um, they actually cast it for five mana and exiled, you know, two lands and a lightning bolt, right? Like now it's only a four-four. Um, which doesn't need all the hoops necessarily jump through to kind of remove it. Um, the Voidwalker might be doing enough um, splash damage already to make that um, giant flyer normally in another matchup uh, pretty tame. Uh, I do like this this little thing, though. They're playing uh, Shinka, the Blood-Soaked uh, blood Keep, and Shizo, Death Storehouse in, the, in this deck. Um, if you don't remember these, these are both from um, Kamigawa. Um, Shinka is the red legendary land. Um, Shizo is the red, uh, is the black legendary land. Um, they each tap for one of their mana, uh, respective color. Uh, Shinka gives a legendary creature first strike, while Shizo gives a legendary creature fear. Which, with this deck that's playing Lurth as a companion, playing Ragavan. Croxa and Torok, you can actually get some pretty good value off of both of those cards in this deck. Giving Monkey First Strike does seem pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, giving even giving it fear, right? Like, I think like 
first strike is obviously huge, um, especially when you're talking about like trying to take down something like a Croxa in combat. Um, but even like Croxa hits so hard that being able to just attack in or I guess trigger, have them discard a card, um, and take three for you know because it's not an actual spell, and then de- getting in for six like that can end the game in two turns very easily, especially since the deck can apply pressure uh, pretty well. But I, li- I like this deck overall, though. I mean, like, it's doing a lot of interesting things. Um, we have seen this kind of technology out of some other decks where they're playing things like um, Alpine Moon um, to deal with, um, to well, help deal with Urza Saga. Um, they're playing things like Chalf the Void to help deal with the... Um, I can't think of the right... My brain keeps the one to say transmute, but it's not what the mechanic's called. Uh, the suspend decks um, that have the suspend spells, rather. Um, so the Void Mirror is another one, too. Like, I think this deck is... Like, if I had to look at these three decks, I think this is the deck I'd be most likely to play. Um, I think it has a lot of good interaction. Um, I still think it does need to... I, I would need to play with it more. I've only watched it a, a, a few times. Um, but I have to imagine, like, if, if they get a Murktide region that's, like, a 6-6 six, six or bigger, you're just going to have issues... Or, like, it's bigger than 6-6, six, six, bigger than your whole Unholy Heat. You're just going to have issues removing from the board. Um, so that's something I would want to kind of play around with it, maybe adding a Terminate or a Dreadbore or something like that to the deck. But I, I like this deck a lot. I am surprised to hear you say that you would pick this over Blue-Red. I think you would want to play the Tempo deck. Yeah, I mean, I I appreciate the Tempo deck. I really like what this deck's doing, though. I, I think there's a lot of additional choices that you're getting without having to play expressive iteration like i do think dr voidwalker obviously being an aggressive creature is really nice um but i do think it puts your opponent in this really weird spot um being able to tax the graveyard um which is i think really good when you start looking at you know some of the decks that we will see later on in the list like just having a main deck graveyard effect i think is huge right now um i also think something like um torok is widely underrated in these kind of like mid-rangey mirrors, uh, being able to actually hymn somebody in, in Modern is, is brutal nine times out of ten. Um, and, but I'm a big fan of Culligan's Command. Like, I, I love this card. And being able to just accrue extra value with these really powerful creatures I think is also something I'm interested in. That's fair. If I had to pick one of these, I would obviously play Amulet. Yeah, that, it's kind of what I expected. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I play it even when it's bad and paper, to be honest. And also, the deck is just nuts right now. Like, literally every... I feel, I think I said this, like, a week or two ago, but I feel like every loss I've had recently with the deck has been, like, completely my fault. Hmm. That's a, it's both a very good and very bad feeling. Because part of me is like, man, I'm so dumb. Why can't I win? But also, it's nice knowing, like, the deck is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think... Just having four additional tutors for the one of the best cards in your deck, I think, makes this deck just even better than it than it has been in the past, which I think is really saying something. Like this this actually could be could be the best iteration of the deck. I guess maybe besides the Summer Bloom version. Uh I we I don't know if I'd put it ahead of once upon a time plus Field of the Dead either. Gosh, I forgot about that, yeah. Yeah, I mean <laughs> This X had uh, had some nuts moments. Yeah. Oh, jeez. All right. 
So that's on that, to the next tier. Uh, on to the next tier. So that's my tier one. So those three decks there. So blue red Murktide Amulet and the black red Lurus Monkey deck. Um, the next four. I'm saying this is not in any particular order. So don't come at me in the comments. Um, but the next four, I think, are all the decks that I think people would say. Well, I think this deck's actually t tier one. Um, I think these are the four decks that you would probably come to mind first. Um, the first one I want to start with is actually one that I have been watching Cedric Phillips just beat people senseless with. It. I love watching. Um, he has been like breaking my speaker though because he keeps yelling at the at the TV, but it, it's probably worth it. So this is uh, Hammer Time, and once again, the specific the specifics of the deck I don't think are particularly important. Um, Hammer Time has gotten some really good upgrades uh, from the most recent set. Uh, we've obviously familiar with the general strategy in, in general, right? You're trying to get a Colossus Hammer onto your, one of your creatures. Um, you can get it onto an Inkmon Nexus and kill your opponent with Infect. You can just get it onto, honestly, an Ornithopter, right? And beat your opponent in the face. Um, Cigar Aid is obviously a huge boon, and it, something I think that's surprising we took us that long to really figure out um, that we, we should be playing it. Um, the things that we've gotten from more recent sets, though, that I don't think people are quite as up-to-date on uh, would be Esper Sentinel, um, which is a one white for a 1-1 one, one artifact creature human soldier. Uh, whenever an opponent casts their first spell or first non-creature spell each turn, draw a card once the player pays expert X's Esper Sentinel's power. Um, you also have seen added to the deck the Shadow Spear, and this is actually from Theros Beyond Death. Um, we've seen this actually in our... Well, Shadow Spear's been in the deck. It's, I feel like it's been in the deck, but it's not... It hasn't been as potent as it has previously. I, I think it's better, much better in the current build because Shadow Spear can actually be equipped onto something that's not um, equipped with a Colossus Hammer. Like, I think, I think Shadow Spear was really good when you already had the Ornithopter that was a... 10, 12, and then you could make it into a little bit bigger and give it lifelink and trample. In this deck, the Shadow Spear, I think, has just jumped um, leaps and bounds in terms of playability because you have the Urzasaka, which is producing these 5-5, five, 6-6, five, six, six, seven, sevens, which then become these trampling, lifelinking monstrosities, which allow you to keep up um, and race a lot of these more aggressive decks that we saw back in Tier 1 and that we'll see, see kind of going down the tier list as well. Um, so, Shadow so Spirit. I agree with all of that. Yeah, but you literally said a new card for the deck. Yeah, not new. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Shadow Spear is definitely <laughs> not a new card for the deck, but I think it's I think it's much better in this iteration of the deck than it has been previously. Um, so that's really the big the big additions here. I I've really enjoyed playing uh, seeing this deck, watching it. Um, you kind of mentioned this before with people playing the black red list right just copying this off of a spiral spike and not really thinking about what they're doing they're just copying a list um the one thing that's been bothering me at least is that people are playing um like four copies of silent clearing which is fine right because the, the deck's mono white it doesn't particularly matter um Luris is black white so like who cares but like you're playing in the sideboard prismatic ending so i think if you're playing prismatic ending you should be splitting the silent clearing uh, along with the white-red um, land. 
um, Horizon. I can't think of what it's actually called, the White Red Land. Um, just to make your prismatic ending a little bit more potent. Um, that's not something I'm seeing, which I, I'm not sure if there's a, a reason why that's beyond me. But um, otherwise, I think the deck's, you know, super powerful. I think it's getting to that point where it's fairly stock at this point, too. I think people are playing more or less the same um, 75 sideboards change, obviously, a little bit. But I, I like this deck a lot as far as, like, an aggressive option is concerned in modern. Uh, Sunbaked Canyon. Sunbaked Canyon, thank you. Yeah, I, I would. I don't know why that's not being split with the silent clearings, but yeah. It, so I have, I have a couple guesses. I'm not saying they're particularly good reasons. One, it could be a holdout from the fact the deck used to sideboard black cards. Mm-hmm. Two, it could be trying to bluff that you are still sideboarding black cards. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's it. I mean, I also, think... since I'm pretty sure this is ending up in the cast, basically regardless, a little doggy <laughs> update. Mm-hmm. He is upset again. <laughs> yes, he is. And before anyone thinks that I am an abusive dog owner, <laughs> he's just upset because I was at work today, and now I'm recording with Billy, and he wants me laying in bed with him. Yep. Dogs have needs, man. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. just just so nobody thinks I'm torturing my dog, that's all it is. No. Um, I've actually been petting him most of the time we've been recording. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right, though. It probably is a a holdover from when it was the deck was black white but that is something that needs to be up, updated at some point obviously not by you or me but just the the like guys needs to figure that out i agree with you and i would also even consider playing um a horizon canopy in addition oh, uh, yeah. just because people are main decking pissing needle right now with their urza sagas like i'm not trying to get i mean actually i guess that's kind of a bad argument because if they're pissing needling my my land i'm probably happy mm-hmm. but but still. I don't know, it seems kind of free to play around. Yeah, and once again, it just makes your prismatic ending sound much better. Like, literally, what's the downside there? Um, but I, I like this deck overall. I think this deck is really nice, and um, as far as, like, linear aggressive decks are concerned, I think this deck actually does, because of Urza Saga, has that kind of backup plan where, you know, making the 5-5s five and 6-6s six and 7-7s seven seven does allow you to go into turn... Um, you know, turn five, turn six, turn seven, um, and still have staying power. So I think that this is another deck people should be paying attention to a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, this deck has been good for a while, and then, like, Urza Saga is insane in it, so it's, like, not that surprising that it's good. Yeah. Yet, I agree with you, people are not respecting it. No. All right, well, how about a deck we people, I think, have been respecting, but I think has fallen off just a little bit in the past uh, couple, I think the last week. I, I don't want to say it's even fallen off. I think it's still as popular as it was on, on MTGO. It's just not as prevalent. I guess I don't even know if that's right, the right way to say it. I, I think people have mentally forgotten this deck is something that was all over the place, and now it's adjusted a little bit. We've seen... We saw 10 different variations of this deck, and now it's kind of consolidated down to, like, one or two. Uh, I'm talking about Health Kitchen, which is, was, I think, the deck you were playing um, yesterday. Um, so I, I think part of the reason it's condensed down has been uh, people have, you know, they've been working on it. They've kind of figured out what builds they like, and now, now they can move on and try other things. Uh, so I do think that's part of it, but I wouldn't say people have forgotten about it. Hmm. 
And I still don't know if there's actually a consensus on what the best build is. I think a lot of people would probably just copy whatever Doomwake's doing, mm-hmm. uh, which is reasonable. But like, I know there's some dissension in the ranks. Yeah, I mean, I think the the version that I've seen, at least, um, I've seen a lot of the blue-red versions, and I've seen a lot of the, oh, sorry, yeah, blue-red, um, black-blue, there we are, black-blue, and I've seen a lot of the black-green versions. That's kind of where, in my mind, the two decks, we're, we're at right now with the decks. Um, and I know there's like a black-red version as well, but I don't think that's as popular as um, black-green or black-blue. Um, you were playing black green, right? Uh, yes. Okay. I um, so I don't even own the deck. Um, I actually haven't gotten my Urza Sagas yet. Okay. Kind of embarrassing, or my Abundant Harvest, which is even more embarrassing. Uh, I haven't gotten anything. Um, <laughs> I own two mismatching Abundant Harvests. Jeez. Oh, okay. Um. Anyways. So I walked into my LGS planning to play out-of-date amulet, and one of the employees who I'm friends with, I was like, hey, do you have any up-to-date with Marauder Horizons card decks? And he said, here you go. So uh, he had this deck. I didn't like uh, some of his choices, so I made a, a couple switches. Unfortunately, couldn't make all the ones I would have liked, but I uh, decided to play it. It was a lot of fun. Um, the deck's sweet. <laughs> I played the green-black version, like we said, uh, but I didn't have access to the finales. So okay. I played a mix of Feasting Troll Kings, which never really came up and were kind of bad when they did, hmm. and Metal Cyst. Okay. Uh, I got paired against Tron round one, which I'm pretty sure is a terrible matchup. It feels bad. Uh, my opponent had turn three Karn the Great Creator every game. Ugh. That's brutal. I beat it game, I can't remember if I won game one or two. Um, and then in game three, he played a card, and I was like, okay, well, I could actually beat that. So then he follows it up with an Ugin. I'm like, mm. okay, this is getting tough, but I actually still have outs. And then he slammed a Worm Coil engine. I was like, and there go my outs. <laughs> yep. Um, I... Karn the Great Creator definitely is an issue. I, I have liked the addition of something like Bone Shards to the deck. Like, I think that's a really cool card to be able to get you um, out of really sticky situations as far as Planeswalkers are concerned. Um, or just opposing creatures, like even something like Collector Oof. Um, I think it's kind of not a nightmare scenario, but not something you ne- necessarily want to be dealing with. And I think Bone Shards cleans it up for you fairly nicely while still advancing your game plan. Yeah, I chose not to play Bone Shards, but it would have been very nice there. Um, man, don't I look dumb. He had like three <laughs> copies of Bone Shards in his 75 when I cut them all. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, why is this stupid card in here? Oh, that's why it's in here. Okay. Then, <laughs> round two, I played against like Red White Prison with uh, Stony Silences and Suppression Fields Ugh. and Ghostly Prisons. Uh, so I won. Oh, okay. Two zero cool. after getting mana type. Ugh, brutal. And my opponent had a turn two suppression field that I had to fight through. So that was a really interesting match. I think that was the first time I finished a match where my opponent said like, like after I won, where my opponent was like, "Oh, I'm like, I thought this was a good matchup," where I, I actually agreed with him. Yeah, it's just 
Yeah, I got lucky. <laughs> I like, know it. You just have so many triggers. I feel like it's like really hard to try to. Yeah, I mean, the games were close. Um, I don't want to sound too mean, but I won because I was playing with good cards and they were playing with stone rains. Um, But I I truly, truly did get lucky. Mm. And I'll admit that. Um, And what did I play round three? Round three, or actually that was round three. I played against, is it Prowess? Okay. I've I've heard some people say they think Prowess is favored. I granted I've not played a lot of food, but I've won every time I've played from the food side. Okay. Uh, and it has not felt it hasn't felt scary at all. Hmm. Um, and then I got to <laughs> I, I got to play the mirror. And that was that was the one that went to time. And that mm-hmm. was that was sick. Was it also the black green? Oh, like black green? Yeah. Mirror? Okay. They were on black green. Um, they were on the Feasting Troll Kings. Mm. Game one lasted just over 30 minutes, I think. Ugh, jeez. It was like 35 minutes. Yeah. We got into this really complicated board state. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, audience. Blink it. Stop. Stop crying. I'm right here. Uh, he can see you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was just like this super long, grindy game. And eventually I won uh, by drawing a nettle cyst and equipping it to my Gilded Goose, killing all their Gilded Geese Gosh. Uh, with Asmo, and then just getting in there for a lot. That's awesome. <laughs> my opponent's first thing they said was, because uh, there was a couple of people like watching who had been working on the deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just like turns to them. He's like, or and calls for them. He's like, guys, we have to play this card. <laughs> and they're like, what What card? He's like, I don't know. But he just murdered me with it. Like, we have to get this card in the deck. Like, whatever he's doing is better than whatever I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. and then uh, game two was also a kind of long drawn out affair uh, where my opponent started to get ahead. But. I, I was playing a Grist in my sideboard. Okay. That Grist put in work. Oh my god, it was just killing everything. <laughs> yeah, so good. I like that. And like we were talking oh. about Grist in the Black Green Yawgmoth deck. Um, I think it's in really any deck that can produce a large amount of bodies, I think it's it's just a really good card. Yeah. Also, the first time I milled over uh, a cat with it, <laughs> that felt like such value. Oh, yeah, that feels good, too. That's really cool. Uh, but that, that deck was a lot of fun. Um, but, so, yeah, I mean, I, I do think all the builds of this deck are good. Mm-hmm. I'm still not sure which version is the best. I mean, I think people would largely say the blue-black version is the best, and they're probably right. Um, one of my thoughts, though, is I feel like... The decks are really slow, which is, I think, their biggest issue. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really good at, like, dealing with basically anything that's relying on creatures to kill you. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I think this deck is really good against, like, the prowess builds. I think I think it's actually good against the blue-red build, like, the, like the Merktide decks. It could be wrong there, but I, I think it's good. Um, you know, it's not terrible against Amulet, like... I, Anytime I've played against like Affinity or Humans or something like that, it's felt like kind of a joke, honestly. 
the biggest issue that these decks I think have are combo matchups. Like hmm. combo matchups abysmal. And so part of me thinks that the green black version sounds good to me just because it's a little bit faster. Um, like the blue black version is better at grinding, but like I, I feel like the green black version is also just really good at grinding. So I, I'm, I'm really torn on which version is actually better. Um, I haven't taken the time to really put that work in to figure it out for myself. So I, I know the general consensus is blue black, but I'm just kind of hesitant to believe it. Or I feel like I could believe blue black if they were playing more counter spells. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about it. No, I'm in, I'm in the same boat. I think they both. I think with the way the deck is configured, uh, configured, like you're not winning with creatures. Like it's just it's just very hard to um, get through with creatures versus this deck. Um, and I know I keep mentioning it, but I really do like um, the black green Yogma deck just because it has pro humans, <laughs> so it doesn't it doesn't die to Asmo, which makes everything else kind of fall more in line with like how how do you actually win this game? What does this game actually look like? And you know, Yogma can actually kill Asmo and try to battle through. But for the most part, I think other creature decks are really not where you want to be. And I think kind of talking about the peer li- the tier list already. Right, like this deck isn't on, isn't packing on a holy heat. Um, it's not packing lightning bolt. It's not doesn't even have like fatal push in the deck. I mean, there are some in the sideboard of this list we're looking at, but like Asmo itself, it just kills so many creatures so efficiently. Like I'm not trying to really pack up my creatures <laughs> to to have to go against Asmo. Like unless it has pro black or pro green or pro black or pro red already, um, it's just really hard to get through like that. So, um, I, and I don't think. It matters really what the plan is outside of that, right? For for those kind of creature decks, um, like I think realistically, if the only creature in the deck was Asmo, like, well, if you if you kill all my creatures, like I I'm gonna have to I can kill you with a three three eventually, and you know they're playing Oval Chase Daredevils, like I can just keep playing four twos and murder you eventually. Like, um, I, I do think the blue version is nice because you do get to play some things like, um, like engineered explosives for example and you know recurrent um with the uh my brain keeps in the lady of the lock i can't think of what her name actually is. emery emery so like that i think is a is a huge benefit but like that really should only matter against permanents that are not creatures anyways because once again asmo is going to clean them up so um no i think i don't know i i think i'm, I'm happy with the black green deck i think you're right i think it does its ability to go taller, I think, is really nice because I think Gilded Goose, um, just making a bunch of food tokens, um, does make your constructs from Urza Saga so much better, um, just because they're tall, right? So you can you can beat the win the um, construct versus construct battle, which I think is important. You still have Shadow Spear in this deck too, which is really good. So you can get the Trample and Life Link and all that fun stuff. Um, I, I think the black green version is kind of where I'd want to be. I think if you end up losing to the black blue version, eh, say Levy, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I also, I really like being proactive. So like against combo decks, having the thoughtsies to me, I, th- I, I like the thought of that. Mm-hmm. Um, not that there's a lot of combo right now. Yeah. You know, uh, something I'm, I'm actually kind of curious about is like, 
I feel like there was a day where people experimented with uh, playing Karn in these kinds of food decks. Mm. And they were kind of quickly dismissed, but I still actually wonder if playing something like that could be good. Uh, you're so good at not actually getting hit is what was really coming up yesterday. Like, um, I was thinking about this as I was playing the mirror. Like, we just kept getting into these board states where just both of us had a million creatures, but, like, I, I would, well, not, not even a million creatures. We really didn't have that many, but, like, my opponent would just attack me with, like, you know, their 8-8 eight, eight constructs. I just never took any damage because you can just keep bringing back the cats and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I this deck seems like it would be really good at protecting a walker. So I do wonder, like, hmm. you know, having Karn, and then you can Karn uh, minus to get, like, um, uh, Witch's Cauldron, or you could play something like the Academy Manufacturer combos. Uh, so I do really wonder about playing Karn in these decks. And like I said, it was already kind of dismissed once, but so was Emery. Yeah. <laughs> and now people are saying that's the best version of the deck. So I just think that there's still more room to explore with these archetypes. Mm -hmm. And like having something that's just so good in the mirror and so good against like um, Hammer Time, um, you know, it's not necessarily, it's not very good against the blue red decks. Uh, but even against like Amulet getting, um, uh, why can't I think of the name of the card? The turn your land into an artifact so I can blow it up card. Oh, a little bit of gooding. Yeah. Like yeah. getting that is really good. So I, I, I do want to experiment with that at mm -hmm. some point. Yeah. And that's, the, you kind of mentioned this a second ago too. Like if you can play Karn, which helps you in the mirror, it's hard to get hit like in a, also, the, the creature decks aren't going to kill you anyways. You can very easily sideboard, like, um, the the thing that makes tokens and, like, um, the Clock of Omens. Is that the one that they combo together? Yeah. Yeah, like, fairly simply, right? And just win the game like that. Um, just kind of combo off with the Witch's Oven, something like that. Like, that's, that's not terrible. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Did... <laughs> This is getting a little off topic. Did you ever see the um, the Collected Company deck that was going off with the Academy Manufacturer and and Cat and Lonus? <laughs> I, I did. I did not. No. Oh um, my goodness! I have to send you the list. It is a delight to play with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, my league. I think I played one or I think I only played one league with it because it was just like kind of hard with all the clicks. Mm -hmm. But it was. It was delightful. It was a good experience. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have to check that one out then. There's definitely a couple of decks I want to play. Um, one of the ones I definitely want to revisit, I haven't gotten to play this one in a while at least, is the is it Blitz deck. And you had talked about this a little bit ago, being one of these decks that um, is still obviously showing up, but it kind of just seems like a tuned, a differently tuned version of the Blue-Red Murktide list. Um, this deck is a little bit more aggressive, right? You're instead of you're playing a lot of the similar cards. Obviously, we see um, a couple more one-drop creatures with uh, Monastery Swift Spear and Soulscar Mage instead of uh, playing Ragavan. Um, I have seen some lists that play Ragavan, just not not as commonly. Um, Storming Entity, obviously, being one of the big reasons you're blue here um, in this version. But you also get Lava Dart, which I think is actually really nice. Um, but we, we still do see, like, the Unholy Heats and something like that in this list, too. 
what so what do you what do you think about this deck in general right now? The other blitz decks as, as it kind of lines up against the format. So I still think this deck's good, but I just like I have such a hard time looking at it and thinking it's anything other than just a worse version of the blue red merc tide list. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's just recency bias because that version's been doing better lately. Uh, but just like on a card for card basis, all of these cards for the most part are like the same or worse i feel like other than lava darts insane mm -hmm. uh so you could say maybe the other deck should be adapting that but i i don't know like playing monastery swiss spirit just sounds so mopey to me when people are doing all these other things that are just way more impressive mm -hmm. and I, i've also never been particularly high on stormwing entity mm -hmm. um so getting to replace that with like murktide regent which is you know, a real threat um, just seems good to me. Like, I, I don't think it's embarrassing to show up with this deck. Don't no, get me wrong. Like, not at I all. It's very possible to show up with this deck and, like, crush people. And, you know, I do really like being aggressive. We've I've talked about that before. That's one of my big tenets of magic is I think you want to be the aggressor whenever possible. So I, I definitely think it's defensible. But I, I wouldn't show up to it with it. And I would urge you that if you are going to play this one to at least test out the other deck. And, you know, maybe you'll come to the conclusion, like, this one's better. Or, like, you might even think that one's better, but you're playing this one better. And that could be enough of a reason. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I think the the big thing with the is a Blitz deck that I think has going for it is the density of one-drops. Um, I think you have the ability to have the busted I'm going to kill you on turn 3, what you going to do about it start, which I think is really, really nice. And you, you don't get that in the other version. Like, you can obviously take over the game with something like, you know, a Ragavan into um, a you know pair of Dragon Rage Channelers or something like that, but like Is a Blitz will just kill you on turn 3. Like, that hasn't changed. Um, and I, I think that's something that people do need to at least keep in mind as they're trying to um, move forward. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I, I As far as upgrades are concerned, like, you got Unholy Heat here, and I don't think that's even that good. Like, just kind of breaking down the, the actual deck here, you, you do have a number of creatures. You obviously have a number of lands that can make it into the graveyard, but, like, you're playing four fetch lands, so you're kind of in a lot of situations, depending on Dragon Rage Channel to get it into the graveyard for you. Um, you do, or, or something like Lava Dart will also put lands in the graveyard for you. Um, you have a number of instants too, but you, you have six sorceries. So, creature, land, sorcery, instant, and your four artifacts. Like, five creature types where one of them is only a four of, one of them is only a six of. Like, you're asking a lot <laughs> from from your deck to cooperate in order to get Delirium for Dragon Rage Chandelier and for Unholy Heat. I'm not I'm not terribly sold on that. Um, like I actually kind of think that like, and I guess you are playing Fire Islet too. Like that's another way to get lands in your graveyard. But I don't know. I I think getting Delirium here is a lot more difficult than it is in the other version, which I think is a huge uh, push in that direction. Right, like I think Chandler is obviously a very powerful card, um, but you really do need 
all the pieces working for you, and I don't think it works nearly as well in this shell as it does in the blue-red Marktide list. Um, but once again, I think I think the prowess um, of it all, I think, is enough to kind of carry this deck uh, kind of where it needs to go. Uh, I do kind of wish this deck list would play Vapor Snag in the main deck, though. I, like, I still think one of the big benefits of playing this list is that you have a, you know, a strong again to do that is mean and lean, and I, I think the Merktide region depends so much on staying in play that I think a Vapor Snag versus them would be really backbreaking, um, and I think that's something that would be really good to lean into, especially when you look at the rest of the format, like you're worrying about Primeval Titan, you're worrying about Asmo, um, you're worrying worrying about, you know, car, creatures coming out of Hammer Time. Like, I think having Vapor Snag in your main deck is not embarrassing. I, I think it does allow you to win some games or steal some games or to be a little bit more aggressive in spots where you probably want to be more aggressive. Um, so I think they should be playing Vapor Snag in the main, but... Um, I can get behind that. I... Do you want to throw out as a quick caveat if anybody is listening to this and considering, oh, maybe that's what I want to play for the blue-red Murktide Regent Mirror. Don't play it in the Murktide deck. Play Steel of Removal instead. Yeah. Steel of Removal. Okay. But yeah, Vapor Snag does seem good in this deck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, I just... And one thing, I think this... Like you said, this is not an embarrassing deck to show up with. I just... I, I think... I think when you have two decks that look very similar on paper, people tend to make very similar choices for them. I, I think that's I think that's wrong. Like I, I just don't think that's what you should be doing in this deck. Um, I think people will really need to revisit um, the is it prowess deck just on a fundamental basis and try to figure out what they actually need to be doing rather than what they want to be doing. That's very rarely the same thing. So, all right, uh, last deck that I have in my Tier 1.5 is uh, a deck I know that is very near and dear to your heart. Uh, the Crashing Footfalls deck. Um, and we've seen this deck a number of times, but just kind of reiterate some of the things. Uh, we're looking at Cascade spells in, ter in terms of Shardless Agent and Ardent Plea. Uh, we are hoping to get into play a Crashing Footfalls to put in a couple of 4-4s four into play and hopefully take over the game from there. Um, that means we can't play any one drops, two drops, or um, we can't play any one drops or two drops. Um, so we always cascade into crashing footfalls um, to get around that. We're playing things like brazen bar, or we're playing things like uh, subtlety, uh, endurance. Even um, you do see some really sweet cards, things like uh, dead gone, uh, fire and ice, which I think is really sweet. Um, that allows you to have some interactions in those first couple turns of the game. Um, I think the big benefit that this deck's gotten is the addition of Charlotte's Agent. The, the deck was already playing uh, Violent Outburst already, um, Ardent Plea already, so being able to go up to 11 um, Cascade spells um, makes a Crashing for Falls very, very consistent and a lot more reliable, which I think is huge. Uh, what do you think about this deck? In six, sweet. I, I do think uh, this deck is very good. It reminds me a lot of the Living In deck, which... I also think is very good, but I, I think both both decks but have a lot of power. Um, rhinos are like terrifying when <laughs> when they come out quick enough. Um, they're really scary. Yeah. Um, I still kind of hate the fact that the cascade mechanic works like this, um, mm -hmm. but I do think that this is a really neat piece of deck building. 
I really like all the ways that we've kind of ignored the requirement, if you will. And I know it's old technology from the Valky days, but I still think the fact that we get to play so much interaction with like Brazenbauer and Fire and Ice, and even now's like subtlety is really cool. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I think they did a lot of things that, yeah, maybe even like three years ago, I think this deck would have been one of the better decks in the format. And I think the power level that we're at right now, I think is kind of speaking to the fact that this deck is not nearly as powerful um, as it probably could have been. Um, but I don't know. I think, this deck, I think this deck's really sweet. I'm really happy that this deck kind of exists. Um, as yeah, it I is. mean, and it is still a very solid deck. Like, it definitely beats up on things. It's, you know, it can just struggle against things going bigger than it. But, like, even mm-hmm. then, you still have Force of Negation uh, to kind of deal with things. And uh, even Fire and Ice can, like, slow down combos and stuff. Like, this deck is way, way more of a force to be reckoned with than I think it looks like on the surface. Mm-hmm. And you kind of mentioned this uh, Crushing Footfalls in the same vein as Living End, and I, I do think that deck is also very good. Um, that I actually have that in the Tier 2 list, not the Tier 1.5. Um, the main reasons are things, other things that are going on in the format. Um, I think once you start getting looking at things like the uh, Dolphy Voidwalker, um, you also have the Sanctifier in Core. Um, there's just a little bit more extra hate um, for the Living End deck than there is for the Crashing Footfalls deck. Um, and we haven't talked about too much about the sideboards um, of these decks, but there are copies of things like Rest in Peace and, you know, some of the sideboards, um, which I think was fairly common, you know, three months ago too. Uh, but now we're starting to see, um, sorry, <laughs> we're starting to see uh, copies of things like Void Mirror, uh, more copies of things like Child of the Void, um, which people are usually setting on zero to try to uh, turn off these kinds of decks. Um, I think this deck in general, um, I want to say in general, um, has a better chance of dealing with Graveyard Hate just because there's less of it. Um, well, not Graveyard Hate, but Hate in general. Um, I do think... Crashing Footfalls and the Living End deck, both to their credit, especially since the Living End deck has become progressively more blue, adopting uh, Force of Negation, um, but also adopting Brazen Borrower, I think really does make it, both of the decks, a lot more consistent against um, hate out of the sideboard. But I, I just think the Crashing Footfall deck has a more consistent path to victory uh, post-board. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's my Tier 1. That's my Tier 1.5. Um we can go through these real quick. I don't want to. I don't want to drag on these. Um, but tier two, we've got uh, Living End. I have Grixis Death Shadow, uh, five color elementals. And I've got Heliod Company. Um, I, one thing I think Living End is really just a, a peg below Crashing Footfalls. Um, otherwise, it'd be in tier one point five. Um, I think Grixis Death Shadow just has some has removal that lines up fairly well in the format right now. I don't think it's um, like kind of looking at what the format's doing, I think this that deck is better prepared. And looking at the list that we have here, none of them are go wide strategies, uh, besides crashing footfalls. Um, wide kind of with asterisks there. Um, so I think Grixis Death Shadow has some pretty good matchups as you kind of go up the list. Uh, five color elementals, I think, kind of can just go off in certain situations, but maybe not 
might not be the most consistent deck um, on this I list. Think it might be more consistent than you think. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe I would need to play with it more. Um, it's just, it's really good. <laughs> I think it I think it suffers from getting its creatures removed one by one. Like that's that's my big thing, and I think decks like cards like um, like Asmo I think does a good job of cleaning it up. I think Black Red um, and Murktide um, do a good job of just keeping the deck in check as it goes along. Um, but I, I do like, I mean, I like the voice of resurgence in that deck. I think that's really cool. I think the Risen Reef, you know, those Risen Reef solitude um, turns, I think, are kind of insane. So that deck might be might be better than I expect, but I, have, I don't think I've seen enough of it. Um, yeah, I, um, I'm really enjoying watching Canister stream it. Yes, I uh, have to go check it check his stream out a little bit more. Like, that could be something that... Maybe, to there's a higher spot, maybe that's in 1.5, but, you know, based on my... Gotta try it in Legacy, too. <laughs> I, maybe in Legacy one day, but I, I think I... Look, man, I've cashed leagues with Bant, with Bant Elementals before. So, there, there's a chance it could be... Again. It could work, but... Um, For okay. the record, I'm not saying, like, expect it to be good. I am saying I expect it to be playable. There is a difference there. There is a difference, for sure. Um, the other list I have in Tier 2 is Heliod Company, and I'm not even sure if that's true or not. I feel like that's just, like, me wanting to hold on to, to a good point <laughs> in modern my mind, but maybe that deck is I actually still playable. think the deck's good. Okay. I, I, I think, think I think its biggest issue is the fact that you have to play it online, and people don't want to do that, and mm. I don't blame them. That's fair. Yeah, I, I like having the having a creature that has pro black and pro red in, the, in this match in this meta game. I think it's very good. Just kind of once again going down the list of decks here, right? They most of them are playing one of those two colors. You know, amulet. I think is a no, no, amulet and hammer time. The notable exceptions there. Um, I think having a combo piece that is difficult to remove in Heliod, I think, is very important. Very trivial to combo off. Even if your opponent does have interaction, um, comboing off around that interaction because of Heli- uh, because of Heliod. So, um, and also I think Collective Company is still a really busted cards and a b- really busted card. And looking at this list too, um, we're not playing a lot of counter spells here um, besides Grixis Death Shadow and uh, Blue Red Murktide. So, like your Collective Companies are resolving with a little bit more consistency than uh, people are used to. So. I think the deck has to be decent still, but I, I don't. It just hasn't been putting up the results. That I I think to to justify it being any higher than that. Anything you would want to change? You think this is a pretty solid list for right now? I think it's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm happy. I think with the way the format's developed, I think I like when the format is interactive. Um, you mentioned this too. There are very few combo decks here. I think if you want to um, argue that Hammer Time is a combo deck, you could do that. Uh, Living End is a combo deck. Sure. Heliod Company, I guess, is kind of a combo deck, right? So maybe three out of these 11 decks are combo decks. Um, but a lot of them are, you know, plan on playing mid range battles and fighting and dealing with removal spells through damage and. You know, using activated abilities of creatures. Like I think there's a lot of interaction here, and I think that's what people typically like out of out of their modern format. So I'm I'm pretty happy with that. 
Yeah, no, I think the I think the format's good. I actually think modern and legacy are both in pretty fun spots right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people were complaining so much in the beginning. They're like, you know, Ragavan's busted. Ragavan's insane. Like, Ragavan's fine. <laughs> people are still complaining. To be fair, they haven't stopped. They haven't stopped, but I think I'm just not one of them. No, I, I think the, and maybe it's the fact that we have unholy heat too. I think there's so much good, one mana, removal at this point between lightning bolt, unholy heat, fatal push, um, prismatic ending. Solitude, you know, technically isn't a one-mana removal spell, but you can cast it on turn one. Um, like, there's a lot of things to have to contend with. Um, Lava Dart, I also didn't mention, I think it's obviously something that pops up. Like, there's a lot of things that, like, if, you, if you're if you dying to Ragavan, it's because you wanted to lose to Ragavan. Like, you, if you want to play your Urzolf Stoneblade deck, like, that's on you at that point. Um, but most decks have something to deal with a one drop two one like it, it's not the end of the world you said you even mentioned too like if you wanted to with amulet you could very easily play out you know a one one on turn one um or you could play an o three on turn one and not get ran over by um a monkey so you've got options cool i think we should probably start wrapping up cool uh do you want to tell a story this week or you just want to get out of here uh rather than a story I'm just going to apologize because I said I was going to stream last weekend and then my dogs were being super, super needy. Shocker. Um, and so instead, I played, the, I played the challenge while petting one dog and another dog draped in my lap for she literally didn't move for three rounds. Jeez. Yeah, yeah it was really annoying. <laughs> uh, but this weekend for the showcase challenge, I'm not planning to let them sleep in my lap. I am undecided, but we'll probably be streaming it. Definitely playing Green White Taps. Cool. Um, yeah, I was. I had no plan. I, I wanted. I really want to record, but one thing I my focus has been very split since uh, summer break has come. So um, I'm working on trying to sell the collection. I'm working on a, another another project. I don't think I've talked to you about this, but I have, I have another podcast idea. I'm working on um, educational. Why wow, you're just gonna cheat on me? I. I, I never said that. You don't know who's involved. It could be anybody. It could be anything. Um, it's a it's a, it's educational though at the very least. So I can talk to you about it after after we're done. I want to get my idea into the into the interwebs. Um, but like I have a couple other things that I'm floating around. I'm also playing D and D right right now and um, writing up between writing the campaign um, and going through everything. I just time is very stretched. But I definitely want to be able to. Try to try to stream, try to record some videos, maybe sometime soon. I think it'd be it'd be fun. But all right, well, let's get out of here then. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Expedition Map on Twitter and Twitch. Where can people find you? You can find me at Bad Luck Bandit on Twitter. If you want to contact the podcast? Feel free to find us at Depth underscore Podcast on Twitter. Um, also, feel free to like and subscribe our videos. It makes it easier for you to find us and for other people who are walking around the multiverse to find us as well. Um, and also, once again, just thank you so much for tuning in and talking. Um, we're seeing a lot more interaction on Twitter where people are asking us questions. People are referring us to fans and we see it. Um, it means a lot. So just thank you so much for your continued support. All right. Uh, I guess we'll get out of here. I'll see you next week. See you next week. All right, bye.